So I am super excited to be able to speak to you guys again tonight. Um, I'm always grateful for when Pastor asked me to come up here and speak to you guys on a Wednesday night. And um, here next Sunday, or not next Sunday, actually this Sunday, we're actually going to be having a revival. Um, This Sunday morning, 10 a.m., we're going to have a guest speaker, Andre Von Zeal. Um, I've never heard him speak, but like he seems like just from what I've heard in the videos that I've seen, he's an incredible and incredible speaker, and I know you guys are familiar with him. So we're going to have three services of revival Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, 10 a.m. Sunday morning, 7 p.m. Sunday night, Monday night. Uh, I'm super excited for that, and all of this kind of prompted uh, my sermon for tonight because uh, I kind of want to address revival, okay, just the word and what it means and what we think it means. So when you hear the word revival, like what is the first thing that pops into your head? Like what do you automatically associate with the word revival? Baby revival. I see people like pointing to Haley's baby. Yeah, so I mean, besides that, but what do you think of when you hear the word revival? Um, And for some of us, we think of like a highly emotional, high intense church service, right? We've had a revival here back in September, a tent revival. We're having one this Sunday. So we think of it as, you know, people shouting and dancing and just experiencing God's presence in a massive way. We think of seeing people being miraculously healed and delivered. Or we think of, you know, lost souls coming to know God in a huge, massive way. And so we expect revival to be this mighty move of God. And we say how we want revival. I mean, Amy and the worship team sings like revivals in the air, and we sang it here. And there's another song called God of Revival. So we sing about how we want revival, and we say all the time how we desire revival. And we often expect it to be marked by miracles, healings, and salvations. And all of these things are true, and all of these things are possible. You know, God can do the miraculous, he can do the impossible, he can heal and deliver and set free. And all of these things can happen, but however, I think our understanding of revival is limited. What we think revival is, is actually limited to what true revival should be. And all these things I mentioned before can happen as a result of a revival, But perhaps actual revival itself is a lot more subtle. Real revival maybe doesn't go as noticed as what we think it does. And so maybe, as I'll discuss tonight, that revival is less about what we witness with our physical eyes and more about what God does within us. So maybe revival is less about what we can see and more about the work that God does within his people. And maybe revival is more internal than external. Yes, we believe for the miraculous. Yes, we believe for the signs and the wonders and the mighty move of God that we can see. But perhaps it begins on the inside first, before we see it on the outside. And so I want to bring up from Revelation chapter 2. God is speaking to a church in the book of Revelation who outwardly looks solid, outwardly looks righteous, but inwardly they needed God to revive them. They were in this predicament where they needed revival. And so it's in Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And it says, To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. 
And this is God speaking now. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake, and you have not become weary. All those sounds. Sounds wonderful and great and awesome. Next verse says, Nonetheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. And remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. So this scripture that I just read, you know, God is addressing the church of Ephesus. And this is one of the seven churches that John is writing this letter of revelation to. And it's also, you know, the book of Ephesians. This is the same people that God is talking to here. And he starts off by addressing the good things he sees. Um, He notices their hard work. He notices their patience, their endurance. He notices how they faithfully serve him despite the persecution that they are facing. So outwardly, they seem like a solid good church. They don't tolerate evil. They don't fall for the lies of false prophets. And it seems as if they have everything together and that they're wholeheartedly committed to God on the outside. On the outside, they're a hard-working church. But despite all this good, despite all the good you can see on the outside, God has this one complaint against them, that you have left your first love. And this means that they do not love God or each other as they did at first. They have once had a love that they don't have anymore. And the same thing can happen to us as Christian believers today, is that outwardly we appear fine, we appear like we have it all together, we appear solid and committed to God, but inwardly we no longer love God as we did before. Inwardly we have left our first love, and that is God. And so outwardly, we still are walking on the right path towards God. It's not like we've strayed towards sin or strayed towards the world. Outwardly, we're still following God, pursuing God. But inwardly, our hearts are slowly drifting away from him. Inwardly, we're not as passionate about him as we once were. We're not as in love with him as we once were. And outwardly, we still go to church. We still tithe. We still serve. But it becomes routine almost. Like we're going through the motions And something we do just without thinking it. And our hearts aren't really as in it as they once were, like when we were first saved. And we sing the songs and say our prayers, but it becomes lip service. And we come to church, but there is no gladness anymore. And we let the work that we do for God overshadow the love that we have for God. So we let the work that we do overshadow the love that we're supposed to have for him. So even though we're working for him, we're serving him, our hearts don't love him like we once did. We don't have as much passion for him as we did at one point. And so we have no desire to read or pray anymore. And when we do read or pray, it's out of obligation or solely because it's routine or because it's habit. It's what we always do. And outwardly, we haven't abandoned God's past. Outwardly, we look fine, but the fire that burned within us when we received salvation is now turning to embers that fire that was once in us is now becoming ashes 
And the all that we once had for God when we first encountered him has slowly become indifference. And this can happen to us as we walk with God, as we spend our days or years with him. Our initial deep love for Christ can wane over time. It can diminish over time. It can fade with time. And we can get to this point where we don't love God like we did at first. Or we no longer do the works like reading, praying, come to church like we did at first. And our love for him is not as intense as it was before. Our hunger to know more about him and to read his word is not as urgent as it was before. And somewhere along the way, as we walk with God, as we serve God, we lose motivation, we lose passion, we lose interest, we lose focus. And God says, you have left your first love. Meaning we are the ones who walked away. Meaning we are the ones whose hearts have drifted far from him. And now it seems there is this great distance between where we are now and where we were at first when we first met God, when we first encountered God. That love and that passion that we have when God first saves us seems like a distant memory now compared to where we are now. And this is a quote by Spurgeon that I really like. It says, A church has no reason for being a church when she has no love in her heart or when that love grows cold. Lose love, lose all. And I feel like that's kind of happened to the church as a whole as our love has grown cold, our love has grown distant for God. And now we can better understand, once we understand our depravity, our need for revival the reason why we need to be revived. We need God to revive us from our loveless condition. We need him to bring them out of our indifference. We need him to bring us out of our lack of passion, our lack of interest. The word revival literally means renewed attention to or interest in something, a new presentation of something old, restoration or force or effect to return to consciousness or life to become active and flourishing again. And by this definition, revival is a renewed interest in reading God's word. Revival is a new way of seeing God, even though you may have known him your whole life, you see him in a new way that you didn't know before. Revival is a fresh understanding of God's love. Revival is the church being restored to the power and the authority that Christ gave us. Revival is a vibrancy, a ray of color in a very gray, dark world. Revival is that rainbow that just bursts through the darkness. Revival is an awakening for those who have fallen asleep and become lethargic. Revival is a burst of energy when we have become lazy and just disinterested. Revival is a spark on the embers of a dying fire, and it is a resurrection of our dead faith. And all of these things considered, revival is a refreshing, restoring, awakening. Revival is a fresh outpouring of God's spirit upon his people. And revival is making us come alive with passion and zeal and desire again. Revival is restoring our first love, bringing us back to the first love that we have left. A true revival cannot be observed like they originally thought. Because revival occurs within our hearts, in our minds, in our spirits. All the other things that we see are a result of a revival. The miracles, the signs, and the wonders, all those things are awesome. But that is a result of what God has done within his people. It begins 
with us. It begins with God breathing his breath back into our lungs first. And the church today needs that kind of revival. And the goal is not another high-intensity service. Yes, we love those things, but the goal is for God to do a work within us and to awaken us to the things we are now unconscious to. John Piper has this quote that says, The idea of revival originates in the reality that humans, even though we are born again and are part of God's covenant family, from time to time, drifts into a kind of lifelessness and lethargy and backsliding and indifference and weakness. So even though we are saved and we are believers, from time to time we tend to drift into this lifelessness, into this indifference towards God. And we need revival because we need to be brought back to life because we tend to drift into this lifelessness that John Piper mentions here. Um, for I, I like to use this illustration a lot, but me and Jordan have been married for a year now, and I know that's not a lot compared to most people in this room, but my marriage often teaches me a lot with my relationship with God because the Bible says that we are to love, you know, mar- marriage is like a reflection of God in the church. So it teaches me a lot about God through my marriage. And when we wrote our own wedding vows on our wedding day, okay, And so in my wedding vows, I personally wrote that I would fight against indifference in our relationship because I understand that one of the major killers in any type of relationship is indifference. And indifference is a lack of interest or enthusiasm. Indifference is a lack of concern. Indifference is a lack of feeling or emotion. And in the same way, we can experience that sort of indifference in our relationship with God. We can display no concern for the things that concern the heart of God. We can get to the place where we have no enthusiasm for serving or reading or praying, and we have no interest in putting forth the extra effort to know God in a deeper way. We have no passion for him or no adoration for him. This is indifference. And we have become cold and stone-faced on the inside, here but not alive, present but not involved mentally or in our hearts. And even when we're born again, it doesn't mean you're not saved if you're experiencing these things. It just means that we tend to drift from our first love. And that this happens to believers. This happens to good-intentioned people. And the church of Ephesus left their first love. And some of us, after hearing these things, may feel like you may have left your first love as well. And I know as I was studying for this, I was personally convicted of like, wow, I feel this sometimes. Like, I feel this in my spirit sometimes. So this is for me, much as it's for everybody else in this room, too. And, but the good thing about this is, is that they left their first love. But that doesn't mean it's truly lost or gone forever. You can always turn back to your first love because you know exactly where you left it. You know exactly where it is. You know how to find it. You know how to get back there. You know what his voice sounds like. You know what his presence feels like. And so if you have left your first love, you know the way back. You know how to turn back to him. As all we have to do is turn back. Because Revelation 2, 5 says, turn back to me. That's the NLT translation. It says, turn back to me. And so God longs for us, and he wants us to return to him. He wants us to remember our first love 
and fall in love with him all over again. He wants us to. That's why he says, turn back to me. Come back to me. Because we know the way back. We know how to turn back to him. Psalm 80, verse 3. Psalm 80, verse 3. It says, turn us again to yourself, O God. Make your face shine down upon us, and only then will we be saved. And so three different times in this chapter, Psalms 80, Asaph says, turn us again to yourself, O God. Turn us again to yourself. And that is also translated as restore us, revive us. Turning back to God is restoration, is revival. Revival is simply our hearts turning back towards God. Revival is simply turning our hearts, our mind, our focus, our energy back onto God. That's what true revival is. And it also means to turn back, but not necessarily with the idea of returning to the starting point. So we're turning back, but we're not going back all the way to the beginning. Like I said, this happens to believers. This happens to good people who just kind of drift away towards God. But it doesn't mean you have to start back over from square one to the salvation prayer. You don't have to start back over. You just have to turn back to him in your heart and in your minds. Back to your first love. Because if you've been saved and serving God for years but need to be revived need God to breathe breath back into your lungs. You don't have to start over from the beginning. You've gone too far to go over to the beginning. It's just a matter of turning our attention and our hearts and our minds back to him. And Asaph prays, turn us again to you, O God. Restore us, revive us, because God is the only one who can truly do that. He's the only one that can truly restore us and revive us. He's the only one who can ignite a new spark within our spirits. And he is the only one who can implant a fresh desire within our hearts. As we cannot fix ourselves and we cannot remove our own indifference. And this is what God instructs the people in the church of Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2 verse 5. Revelation chapter 2 verse 5. And it says, Remember therefore from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. And so in that verse, there's three steps, and one of that steps is to remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. So the first step to getting revived is to remember. Think back to when you first accepted Christ as your Savior. This is a mental exercise for everybody here. Just think back to the moment when you realized you were lost and desperately needed God. Think back to when you first gave your heart to him. Remember where you were when you first encountered God. Remember how it felt to encounter his love for the very first time in a real way. Remember the brokenness and the feeling of loss that you were in and then all of a sudden receiving God's salvation and how wonderful and amazing that moment was. And remember why you decided to commit your life to Christ in the first place. Remember why you even decided to commit your life to him. And for me, I remember exactly where I was when I truly encountered God. I was at church camp. It was like night three. It was July 3rd, 2013. I remember the exact date because it was just so radical for me. It was so personal for me. 
And I remember how it felt to experience God's love. I remember how it felt to receive a salvation. And I'm sure all of you guys have that moment, too, where you're like, at this point, my life was never the same. At this point, my life was totally different. And as new Christians in that moment, I'm sure most of us were excited to begin our new life in Christ. I'm sure most of us were filled with just love and with joy and with peace. And I'm sure most of us were dedicated and overwhelmed by his love. And we were focused solely on him. He was all that we needed. And we were motivated to do whatever it took to just to be close to him. And the question tonight is, compared to that, where are you now? Looking at where you are now, how far have you fallen from your first love? How distant has your heart become? The tough part is remembering where you used to be and seeing where you are now. And we should not expect to be on the same level now as we were when we first got saved. As we commit our lives to Christ, we should grow, we should mature, we shouldn't be at the same level, but our relationship with God should deepen over time and make the love we had at first that much stronger. So in a true walk with God, our love that we had when we first got saved should only be stronger now, not weaker, not less, not diminished. It should be stronger. And if you look and see that it's not, then you may have left your first love. It's like, again, it's like marriage. Me and Jordan have been married for a year, but we've been together for four years. And the love I had for him at the beginning is not the same as the love I have for him now. It is only as I've gotten to know him, as I've spent more time with him, it's only gotten deeper and stronger. I don't love him less than I did. It's just different, and it's better, and it's more than it was at the beginning. And in the same way, as we walk with God, our love should only grow stronger with time and deepen as we get to know him more. Our initial excitement should mature over time and turn into a depth of love that's even better than it was at first. So the relationship we have with God now should be even better than it was when we first got saved. But it seems for, you know, sometimes that the opposite happens. That we left our first got love, and instead of building on the love we had at first, it's falling apart. And our love for God may not be better than it was at first, like it should be. And this takes me to the second step in Revelation 2.5. I'm just going to keep going back to that verse. Um, Revelation 2.5, it says, repent and do the works that you did at first. So it says, repent and do the works you did at first, or else I will remove you from its place unless you repent. So that's the second step is to repent. God commands the Ephesus church to repent because indifference, drifting away, leaving your first love is deemed worthy of repentance here by God. And we must repent for failing to love God as we did at first. Because revival begins with a repentant heart. It does no good for God to perform signs, wonders, miracles for people who are not willing to repent. If we want those things, if we desire those things, it begins with repentant hearts. Isaiah 57, 15 says, For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity and whose name is holy, 
I dwell in high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. So God revives the spirit of the humble and the heart of the contrite. And contrite also means repentance, just another word for repentant. And if we want our hearts and our spirits to be revived, we must be humble and we must be repentant. We must lay aside our pride, no matter how far we are in our locker in the Lord, lay aside our pride and say, hey, I have left you, I have abandoned you, I have lost my first love, and I confess that and I bring that to you. That is a true repentant heart that God can revive, that he can bring back to life. As repentance is more than regret or feeling bad for a current behavior, you can listen to a sermon and be convicted, but true repentance requires change, requires a shift. It's not enough to feel bad or feel convicted, but true repentance is confessing our shortcomings and changing for the better. Because before God can revive us, we must let go of our pride. And before we, God can revive us, we must recognize our indifference and repent. Because if we don't repent, that verse says that he will remove us from his presence if we don't repent. If we don't repent for falling away from him or leaving our first love or not having that same intensity as we did at first, he will remove us from his presence. That's what it means by taking the candle, staying out of his presence. And the third, third and final thing in Revelation 2.5, as it says, repent and do the first works. The first works means do the things you did at the beginning. Return to the basics, basically. This includes reading the Bible, praying, gathering with believers, and obeying. Remember the beginning, like back when you first got saved and first fell in love with God. Remember how you used to spend time in your, his word. Remember how you used to pray. Remember the joy of getting together with other Christians. And these all seem like very simple tasks, very basic tasks, but we can't ignore them or brush over them because these are the works that allows us to maintain our relationship with God, that allows us to still have a burning love for him. Revival means a restoration, rejuvenation, and revival of interest after spiritual neglect. It's a heartfelt return to God and to his commands. So if Amy and the worship team want to come up, I'm getting ready to close out. I was um, on Instagram this week, and I shared it on my Instagram story, um, but there's this visual artist on Instagram that I follow. He's a Christian. His name is Anthony Garola. And he wrote this beautiful post, and I'm just going to read some of it to you guys because it very much relates to what I'm talking about tonight. And it says, think back to the moment that you first fell in love with God. What was it like back then? Was he your everything that pulled you out of the deepest pit? Was he an intense emotional feeling in youth group? Was he the last night at church camp? Was he the only thing that mattered in the whole world? And where is God now? Where are you now? The Jesus you fell in love with so long ago is the same Jesus today. The one you used to lead worship with. The one you used to tell all your secrets. The one that healed every brokenness and wiped away every tear. The one that cried with you at the altar. The one who held you during your church heart. 
and the one that will still never leave you nor forsake you. This is the same Jesus, and he misses you. He longs for you. His heart hasn't stopped burning for you, even if yours has for him. And maybe you're just waiting for God to show up like he used to. Either way, he's waiting too. Waiting for you to turn around and remember the sound of his voice. So remember. Remember your first love. Remember what it was like when you first encountered him. Remember the sound of his voice. And then repent if there seems like there's some distance between where you are now and where you are then. It's okay. It doesn't mean you're not saved anymore. It doesn't mean you're not a believer anymore. It just means it happens as human beings. And we can pray just as Asaph did. I have abandoned you, but turn my heart towards you again. Revive me. Restore me. Help me to have a desire for you and for your word again. You can turn back to him. You know him. You know his love. You know how to get back. And then the other thing is do. Once you repent, you have to make a change. Commit to doing the basic things again. Repentance without change is not true repentance. And as we repent and as we do these things, God will revive his people. The miraculous signs and wonders that we often think of with the term revival are just the effects the aftermath of what God does within us. True revival begins within the people of God. And we cannot have the physical manifestations without committing to the internal work of remembering and repenting and doing. We can't have any of the physical manifestations until we commit to doing work within us first. So can we all just stand in this place? Um, Amy and the worship team are going to sing another song, but if you felt like this touched you in any certain way or spoke to you and you feel like, hey, that's me. I need God to revive me. I need God to bring me back to where I was at first. Or I just need just a fresh understanding of his love. Needing to pour out his spirit upon me again. These altars are open for you to praise him, for you to seek him. And I challenge all of us to spend these next few moments just to remember God and remember his salvation and where we were when he found us.